Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. This is part 3 in our series on the four F's. Fellowship, focus, function, and fruit. These four laws and principles of God are the way to walk with God, to live with God. When you take all the scriptures from the Old and the New Testament, bring them together and say, how do I actually do this? Learn the four F's. It is the pattern throughout the Bible of how to walk with God. We begin with fellowship, and so we're still from last week on the subject of fellowship, and we're looking at what is fellowship, why is it important, which will be today's message, and next time we're in the pulpit on this topic, it'll be how to fellowship. How does it actually work? So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3, Paul writes, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The real Christian, the real Christian, because and the reason I use the term real Christian is just not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Some people are Christians because they grew up in a particular denomination, and so they consider themselves Christians. But they've never been born again. Um, some people are just nominal Christians. They've got saved at some point, but they're, they're, they have no real functioning relationship with the Lord. But the real Christian is dead to the world. If a real Christian is anything, a real Christian is dead to the world. And why? Because when you derive your living from the world, it only sucks life out of you. The world does not have any real power to put life into you. I want you to think about young people. I've got a granddaughter who I just, just love her, and she's starting out. We're proud of her, and, and she's just finishing um, this, this spring. She's finishing both her senior year of high school, which she, she took her junior and senior year at St. Pete College, and she's also graduating at the same time simultaneously with a two-year uh, associate's degree from St. Pete College. And she's going to start this summer at uh, University of South Florida, her junior year of college. And so she's got all her hopes laid out in front of her. And, and for her... I'm sure she's thinking the life the out there, the world has something to offer me. But the reality and the truth is, is that the world only sucks life out of you. It really doesn't put life into you. The world spends your life. The world does not feed your life. And so that's why when we get saved, we become dead to the world because God does not want his people allowing the world to suck the life out of them. So every time you get up and, and, and go out every day into the world, whether it's to your job or to, to whatever you're doing out in the world, when you do it and you're looking to the world to bring significance and bring replenishment to your soul, prepare to be drained. Prepare to be disappointed, prepare to be spent, prepare to be used up, and one day discarded and thrown aside. So the question then that we're going to be asking this morning, and I have just a few brief answers, why is fellowship with God so essential to you as a Christian? Well, in Acts 
It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And in the Gospel of John, we have in chapter 7, Jesus standing up and saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Everyone say, come to me. So Jesus isn't saying, if anyone thinks about me, or if anyone reads about me, he's saying, if anyone comes to me. So Jesus stands up and cries out, in, and he cries out in the temple. Now, they're all there supposedly fellowshipping with God. But Jesus knows that just going to church isn't fellowshipping with God. So Jesus cries out in the midst of the church service, if anyone is really thirsty, let him come to me, as the scripture has said, and then out of his heart will flow rivers of living water or life. Where is life? It's inside the believer, and it will flow out. Too many Christians are having their lives drained because they're trying to find God feeding them and replenishing their life out there in their experiences in the world, and it happens on your knees in prayer, in fellowship. If you don't have a devotional life with God, the one thing, if nothing else, I pray through this message that you will begin to return to your prayer closet and work with the Holy Spirit to build a devotional life. Build an altar within yourself because it's out from the inside of you where life flows. You're never going to get it out there. And I don't care if you're the Apostle Paul or if you are Mother Teresa doing the greatest work in the world. When you go out to do that work, it's going to drain and suck you dry. Even if you're doing a good work, you have to go back within yourself to the Lord in fellowship to be replenished. Please understand, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You don't become more powerful as you go out and spend yourself. You become more powerful as you wait and fellowship with the Lord. So Jesus stood up and said, if there's anyone thirsty, let him come to me and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So why is it so essential for you to develop a life of fellowship with God? The answer is because it's where your true life flows from. It is where your life comes from. So hopefully we'll turn some people around this morning and you'll stop wasting your life trying to extract it from your family or trying to extract it from your marriage or trying to extract it from uh, a sense of fulfillment in your career, on your job. You're, you'll stop trying to extract meaning and peace and life from your friends or from the people that you love. Those are all areas where you could pour out but there's only one place you can go to receive. I cannot be built up and receive life from my wife. I can only get it from Jesus. And that's why many marriages, no matter how wonderful the glue is that brings them together, begin to come undone as the tensions of life rip even Christians who love one another and love the Lord apart because they start becoming dry and brittle. They quit fellowshipping with God and then they wonder why their fellowship with one another is falling apart. Hello, church, am I talking to anybody this morning? Are you understanding why this strategy of the devil that breaks up families and ruins marriages and homes and is, is worse? 
working effectively in the church just as much as it's working effectively out there. Because Christians won't pray. We won't fellowship with God. We run in and we, we just simply spurt out a little prayer and, and, and for God to bless whatever we're doing, and then we run out and do our thing. You must fellowship with God because it's out of that fellowship where life flows. So your existence isn't really living until it starts flowing out of your fellowship with God. That scripture that we opened up with says your life is hidden. It's hidden away from the world. And so you must, you must find yourself where your life is hidden. Where is it? It says it's hidden with Christ in God. So where does Nick go to find his life? I've got to go to God. Listen, I can sit at my computer screen with my Bible programs. I can get old notes out and I can prepare a message. But it'll be just as dry and dead because I'll be just as dry and dead as any professor that you set in his class when you were in college or, or, or any other kind of experience. Because unless I am communicating from the place of communion, God isn't talking to anybody. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And likewise, whatever you do in life, whether you are mending fences or planting uh, crops or raising children, whatever it is you're doing, you cannot be fed from that thing that you do. You better be fed before you go out and start doing it. Or you're going to get sick of doing it because it's draining your energy. You know, you had those children that you brought into the world. Then you wonder by, by the time they're three or five or six, you, you wish you could put them back. <laughs> Not because you don't love them anymore, but they're draining you. What happened, mother? What happened, daddy? Where did all the excitement, anticipation go? Did, those were, did you make a mistake? No. You didn't make a mistake having those sweethearts. You made the mistake because you quit fellowshipping with God. You stopped letting the Lord, you stopped being a child in fellowship receiving from God. You need to get that prayer life going. Can you say amen? amen. So let's ask the question again. Why is fellowship with God so essential for you? Well, you know, the one thing I said was that it's where your true life comes from. There's another facet I want to uh, bring up to you. Why fellowship with God is so important for you is it's in Colossians chapter 1. And I think uh, Antonio spoke out of Colossians earlier. Here's another phenomenal statement from a great, great book in the Bible. God wanted to make known this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the mystery of God, the mystery of the gospel, and it's only a mystery if you live out in the world, but the mystery that is revealed in the gospel is Christ in you is the hope of glory. So why is fellowship with God so important, so essential to you and I? It's because Fellowship with God is the only place that you can go from which the true function or the glory of your life can come forth. Now, let me talk with you for just a moment about what glory means. The Bible says that uh, your life is hid with Christ in God, for, for instance. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if I could 
put this in uh, the vernacular of, of our conversation, the way we'd say this today, I would say that Paul is saying the mystery that's revealed is Christ in you who provides you the hope of functioning and bringing forth the glory that God brought you into this world to shine with. So you need to understand glory because there, God, there's every reason why you should be glorying in your life. There's every reason why a different facets of glory or, or function should be flowing out of your life and your life and your life and your life and yours and yours and every one of you. God has put glories in you. So let's, um, let's understand what is glory. The word glory in the Bible is the word shine. So your glory is your shine. The shining of an eagle is its soaring in the sky. The shining of a dolphin is its powerful swimming through the water. The shining of man, well, God said it in Genesis. I put you upon the earth, made in my image and likeness, to be the steward over the earth, to have dominion and rule over the earth. And so we were created to have fellowship with God. And we shine when we are, we are fellowshipping with Him. That's when we're in our glory. When you see a great athlete performing at the Olympics, you say, man, she's in her glory. I see those little bitty three foot seven skaters and gymnasts and stuff and they fly into the air, tie themselves into knots, spin around seven times, come back down onto the ground and da-da, and you just think, good God, that is amazing. Uh, she was in her glory. They all gave her a 10. So when you're in your glory, you're really doing what? Function. Function. You shine through your function. That's why egotism and just parading around like a peacock, looking, being a poser, just look, look at me, I'm a Christian. That's not shining. That's fake shining. True shining is doing, being what God has given you to do and to be. That's true shining. It's called function. And so fellowship with God is the only place where you can go to get your function. It's the only place you could go to get, get your shine turned on. Can you say amen? So God made everything to shine through its function. Now, man turned away from God, and when he did, what did he do? He lost his shine. Why did he lose his shine? He broke fellowship. When mankind broke his fellowship, broke our fellowship with God, they lost their shine. So a sinner is a non-functioning human being. Now, we see sinners doing things all the time, but they're not functioning the way the designer, God, designed them to function. If we were truly functioning as the designer, we would be walking in love. The world would be the, a garden, like the Garden of Eden. Amen? But we look at the world today, and we see, we see a kind of a shine, but it's a murky shine. It's a tarnished shine. It's a darkened shine. So, Basically, sinners or unsaved people are malfunctioning rather than functioning human beings. So when you get saved, God wants to restore your what? Function. Shine. Hallelujah. Amen. So your fellowship with Jesus 
is, the, is, is where you go to commune with the light of the world. That's where you get your shine back. So listen, let me just, before I move on to the next reason why it's important to fellowship with God, let me summarize this for you in a practical application and tell you that when life comes and, and, when, and it takes away from you opportunity, takes away from you favor, takes away finance from you, and when life turns against you, and tries to shut down your hope of glorying. Many people have given up at some point in life the hope of ever shining. They, many people in life early on, even in their 20s, sometimes in their teens, sometimes later, have given up on the idea that they will truly shine in life, that they will truly live a life of glory. So when life robs and takes away from you the hope of glory, you can go to God in fellowship and the Lord will give you the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's why it's important for you to fellowship with God because no matter what the world does to shut you down and say you can't, when you go to fellowship with God, you hear a different gospel talking. The world says to you, you don't have any money. I've taken your money. You don't have any favor. Everybody, nobody can stand you. You're a jerk. Nobody wants to have anything to do with you anymore. Um, uh, the world is, has shut down your opportunities. You've blown it. You, you had your dozen chances, and, and you blew them all. So no more soup for you. When the world puts you in the place where you have lost your hope of shining, go and get back into fellowship with Jesus because he'll never say, that's it, you blew your 12 chances. God is a God of rebound, endless rebounding. In Jesus, Jesus in you is your hope of glory. Can you say amen? amen. So why is fellowship with God so essential for you? There's another reason. In Galatians chapter 6, um, there's that great spiritual principle, and I hope all of you live by this principle you need to, if you're not living by it, I hope you'll understand it. Brother Paul writes to us and he says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, eternal life doesn't mean just when I go to heaven. Eternal life really means deathless life or death-defying life. Jesus had eternal life when he walked the streets of Jerusalem and the dusty roads of Galilee, opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead, and sharing the gospel with people. He was walking in eternal life. And the disciples, the early Christians, when they walked those paths throughout the Roman Empire, bringing people to Jesus, they were walking in eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start, the clock doesn't start running when you get to heaven. When you get born again, eternal life is in you. So eternal life is what raises the dead. Eternal life is what defies death and robs the devil of all of his lies against you. Hallelujah. So why fellowship with God? Why is it so essential for you to be in fellowship with God? Because it's where you go in fellowship with God to sow to the Spirit. In other words, it's how you bank up favor and power with God. 
I know some of you have been praying, how do I fulfill my calling or ministry? I, I want to lay hands on the sick. I, I want to raise the dead. I want to lead people to Jesus. But like Antonio said earlier, I don't see the gospel and the power of the gospel effectually working in my life. But once he got up and started stirring himself in fellowship with God, he started to hear the Lord speak to him, and he started to act on what God was saying. See, that was all coming out of fellowship. What he testified to you about this morning was the result of fellowship. I confronted him one night, and I said something to him about the evangelistic anointing. I said, that's your life, buddy. That's where it is right there. And, and you've been talking about it. And he went home and wrestled with God. What did he do? He got into fellowship with God. And when he got into fellowship, he got back into alignment with God. And once he did, immediately the Lord started waking up and quickening the life within him. And guess what? He started immediately banking up power, banking up uh, favor with God. Because when you go out in the world and you face the unsaved, you better bring the power. The Bible says in Luke that when Jesus went into the house of the Pharisee, that the power was present with him to heal. And that's where they tore the roof off and let that paralyzed man down. And, and Jesus said, rise and be whole. You know, there was no, there was no wrestling and having to, you know, uh, have everybody hold hands. Now bow your head. And we're going to pray for 10 minutes in tongues and then see if God will heal this. He just said, rise and be whole. How do you get that kind of power? You bank it up in fellowship with God. That's where it comes from. Let me tell you, people that, that move in the anointing, that move in the power of God, whatever their gift is, if it's a prophetic gift or evangelistic gift, or just share, as a Christian, just sharing the gospel and seeing success, it doesn't come because you use the right formula of words. It doesn't happen because you're even, it doesn't happen because you're doing what God wants you to do. It's not even doing the will of God that produces power. It's operating through fellowship with God. If you, if you run into a situation and God's will is for you to use the ministry he's given you in that situation, but you haven't spent time in prayer with God, if you've got 10 minutes, you better dart off into a closet real quick and repent and say, Lord, I need to get in harmony and fellowship with you. Because even though it's your will for me to operate in this situation, I have not been in fellowship. I haven't prayed all week. I haven't been on my face before God. I'm empty. I'm empty. Through fellowship is how you bank up power. It's how you build up your chips. When it comes time to cash it in for the power of God, you'll have something. Anybody here? Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? You've experienced it in your life. You want to bank up those chips. You want to bank up your fellowship with God. Then when you go, hallelujah, no matter how weak or how unprepared you may feel, you are prepared in the one essential way that really makes a difference, and that is through your fellowship with God. Hallelujah. One final thing. Why is fellowship with God so essential for you? In Matthew, Jesus said, come. Come to me. Not think about me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, and, and you will find rest for your souls. So why do we fellowship with God. Why is fellowship so critical? Why is it that nothing else in Christianity will ever work if you don't have a strong life of fellowship with God? It's because 
Fellowship is the place where you exchange your burdens and your will for his rest. So God wants to give you rest. He wants to take those burdens. But he doesn't take them just because you're a Christian and you have the burdens. You have to come to him, take the yoke. What is taking the yoke? It's getting into fellowship. If you would just get into fellowship, fellowship with the Lord, pray. Say, you know, uh, I, I, I know because I've been here in my, in my life. You get that place where it's like, eh, I'm not good with words. I don't like the sound of my own voice when I pray. I don't know how to pray. Oh, I go to church and the pastor, he prays us. All this stuff comes out of his mouth. I don't know where he gets it from. But me, when I pray, it sounds dopey. When I go to God, I, I really don't know what to say. Well, you know, everybody starts somewhere. God's not looking for fancy words. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for honesty. The language of sincerity and honesty. Come before God. Talk with him. Begin to pour your heart out. He's there. It's called fellowship with God. So let me close with this thought, though, about fellowship being the place where you exchange your weakness for his, his strength and you find rest. True fellowship, true fellowship with God cannot take place until you have become sincerely willing to lay your own will upon God's altar in favor of receiving his will. You see, true fellowship with God, you don't enter it unless you enter the place of the lordship of Jesus and stop making yourself Lord. When you run to God with a list, and there's, I love having a list. Kathy, is it okay to have a list when you go to God? It's actually a, probably a pretty good idea, you know, considering that we tend to forget things. You ever go to God and say, oh, I got so many things to pray about. And you get into prayer and it's like, uh, what was that? Get your list out. So it's not that having a list is wrong, but if when you go to God, you're only there for one reason, to get your list ticked off, bless my will, bless all these things, you haven't even begun to fellowship. Fellowship does not happen until you enter that door where Jesus is Lord. And he's not Lord if you're Lord at the same time. Even Jesus in the garden said, not my will, but yours be done. While I'm expressing, Father, to you how I feel, let me hasten to add, not my will, but yours be done. And so when you sincerely come to God, ask for his will rather than asking him to bless you your will. And when you do that, you will begin to enter fellowship with God. Because true fellowship with God takes place within you. And the reason true fellowship takes place within you, you can come to church and not come into fellowship with God. Unless you open your heart when we're singing, unless you sing your heart out before the Lord. When we're praying, pray your heart out before the Lord. Wake yourself up. Get with it. Unless you are engaging yourself from within, that it, it, fellowship doesn't take place. And the reason is simple. It's because that within you is the only place where true surrender to the Lordship of Jesus can take place. There are a lot of people go to church, pay their tithes, but they don't surrender their will to Jesus. That happens in here, not in here. 
It could be happening in here. But if it's not happening in fellowship with God, then it's really not happening. And so God wants you and I to, to build a habitual life of communion, prayer, and fellowship with the Lord. Why? Because it's the place out of which your true life flows, where your glory flows, where your function comes from, where you trade your weakness and your fears for His strength and His will, where He becomes Lord. Hallelujah. It's living from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning.